I tell you what, you know, I've got about five messages going through my head right now, so uh, I, I do want y'all to be out pretty early this evening because some of you might have churches that you need to visit. And I, I, I thought as uh, he brought that jug of water up here, uh, I quit whenever I run out of water, so, so you better hope I drink a lot. I do appreciate being here and being a part of this church family. Appreciate each one of you for being here with us this evening. And if you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. You'll have to excuse me, I've already preached once this morning. And so I'm still fired up from this morning. So I, I like that. Look at your neighbor and say, I'd rather be here than any hospital I know of. Amen. Lord, how many seeing me for the first time? Well, there's a few of you in here. I can promise you, you won't forget me after today. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. Very familiar scriptures. Daddy always told me to take my coat off, so I done did that when you have to go to work. And I still believe a lady invented these things. That's the only thing I know that could choke a man to death. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. If I should leave with you a thought this afternoon, it would be how close are you to death? How close are you to death? Brother Porterfield, would you pray for us? Amen, and you may be seated. I began to toss these scriptures in my head the last several days after Brother Corey called us the other night or other day and asked us to come. I began to think along the lines of what to preach this evening. Now, you'll have to bear with me just a moment. But we sometimes look at death as being something way off in the future. But really not a one of us in here know the day or the hour when death is going to catch us. I have done funerals for young as well as old. I've done them from newborn all the way up to 90 years old or 95, somewhere in that neighborhood. I begin to think along the lines of death and it, according to Mr. Webster, it's extinction of life. A manner of dying, a deceased or termination, that's when it all ends. But really, in a way, that could be the end or that can be just the beginning or it is going to be the beginning. Because death is not something that's going to go away. Once you die, as far as this body, it goes back to the dust from which it came. 
But once this body loses this soul, that soul is going to rest somewhere. Either in heaven or in hell. It is a choice that you have to make today. I, I preached a message a number of years ago, the God of a second chance. Sometimes God gives us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. But we ignore to listen to what God's wanting us to do. According to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, you find there that time is of the essence. And also in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it speaks of time. There is a time under the heaven to laugh, to cry. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to, to run. There's a time under the sun for everything. And this is a time that we come together to worship one and only Jesus Christ. Now you bear with me. I'm headed somewhere. I was walked up to a few days ago at a hospital. And a lady came up to me and said, We want you to pray, Brother Kirkman, for my 25-year-old son. He's in the hospital and he's got leukemia. And he's at the point of death. Would you please pray for him? Not long after Rhonda was working several years ago over in Amory, Mississippi, two young ladies on the Highway 278 headed from Sullivan passed her doing about 90 miles an hour. As they passed her, they ran straight on up to Highway 8 coming out of Aberdeen. As it come off of Highway 8, an 18-wheeler did not stop. At that particular time, now you notice what I'm trying to say, it is an appointment that we will all meet. Honey, these two young ladies passed her doing 90 miles an hour. That 18-wheeler come off of another highway and broadsided her. Them two in that car killing them. Pushing them off the highway over an embankment and into a bunch of trees on the other side of the road. Honey, it is an appointment that we will all meet. But when we meet, it is left up to us. We had better make sure that our election has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now you bear with me. I'm going somewhere. Both of those young ladies died and also the 18-wheeler driver also died. Brother C.B. Wiley and his son crashed in old Mexico a number of years ago carrying Bibles into the... You think just because you're a child of God, everything's okay because you're sitting in the church house. Honey, I got news for you. Children of God die every day. Lost people die every day. We had better wake up and realize, honey, today is the day of salvation. Not next week, not some other time. But right now is the only time that you have. And you had better find a place to talk to him before it's too late. Brother C.B. Wiley and his son flying their Bibles into old Mexico a number of years ago had an airplane crash. And in that crash, there was some guards that came up or, or policemen that came up to their plane and began to search the plane. And as they did so, if they had found those Bibles or if the guard that had walked up to the plane and looked into the plane had have announced that they was loaded with Bibles, they would have been shot immediately on the spot. Brother C.B. said there was no telling how many missionaries had already been killed and slain for flying Bibles into old Mexico. But he said there we was crashed on the side of a mountain laying in an airplane all broken up. And he said that man walked up, looked into the plane, saw the Bibles. He turned around and said there's nothing in here that is going to harm us. Honey, whenever he said that word, them men walked away. Brother Wiley and them was carried to the hospital and treated and set free. I'm telling you, honey, when you got God on your side, that's all it takes in order to make it through this life. It does
doesn't matter how many devils comes against you the Lord is still right there an ever present help in the time of trouble I'm talking about how close are you to death I remember you remember in Samuel chapter 18 you'll find here a very familiar story you find here where Saul is trying to take the life of David and as David is running for his life he even takes a javelin and throws it at him and tries to slay him three different times he was attempted to be murdered by Saul and Saul was one who God had rejected because he did not obey him reckon God on judgment day is going to reject you because you did not obey him honey I want to be pure and holy when I stand before Jesus what about you I want to be ready to hear him say enter in instead of depart from me it's left up to us this evening you say I got plenty of time are you sure as Samuel began to Saul began to fight with David over and over again you can find in the story of Saul and David David running for his life because a man had been rejected by God and would not heed to the things of God you remember when Saul was supposed to kill the Amalekites and he did not do it and he brought back that that was not supposed to be brought back to the camp and as he was doing so he was met by the man of God and the man of God said hey what is that I hear on the back side of the hill what is that I hear bellering over there he said oh we're just going to make a sacrifice honey it's one thing to disobey but it's another thing to lie to God and to lie to God's people you better wake up and realize God is not going to allow a liar to make it into the kingdom of God Oh, I feel my Holy Ghost now. Can I preach a little while? Honey, David, and you remember how that David, Saul didn't obey God and Samuel walked up to Saul and said, Saul, God has rejected thee from being king over Israel. And he throwed him aside. And then the Bible says Samuel went down to Jesse's house and he said, there's there a 14-year-old boy that I'm going to anoint to be king over Israel. I want him to lead my people God is always wanted and always has had somebody that will be a leader he's always had somebody that will step out and be just a little bit unnormal you know it ain't normal it ain't normal I'm going to use you just a minute pastor come here it ain't normal for your pastor to ride buck and bronx but he does or used to <laughs> It ain't normal for somebody to get on a bucking bull. Now, I don't know of you. He ain't never rode one of them. I got a nephew, honey, that did. And I told him to his face, you crazy. I don't ride nothing that's bigger than I am. Much. You just think about it. Honey, it's not normal for us to go out here and even take a gun and go hunting for elephants and one paw could crush you. 
It ain't normal for us to go out and hunt for lions and tigers and all these other animals. But yet we got hunters that go around the world doing these things. And then they say we're not normal when we come to the house of God and we begin to worship and we begin to praise and we begin to lift up holy hands worshiping the one who paid everything for us. Honey, it's not normal, but that's alright. I've never been normal. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still searching for that that God has promised me. Holy Ghost. You see, sometimes we sometimes look at death as being something we should dread. And I'm going to say this and maybe I won't step on no toes this evening. When mother passed away, buried her funeral was held over here at Brother Contreras. People were shouting all over the house. Some of them couldn't shout, they just had to do this. Wasn't room to shout. One of Mama's brothers got word back to us and said, that's the first bunch of folks I ever knew that was happy over their Mama dying. I sent word back, I said, I ain't happy because she died, I'm happy because she got what she lived for. Amen. Honey, we need to be shouting. We got it backwards. If they die in the Lord, we ought to be worshiping and praising God because their sorrow, their pain, their suffering, all the things they've had to deal with in this life is over. And now they've got a brand new life with no pain, no suffering, no heartache. Honey, we need to look up because Jesus is coming. I'm asking you this evening, how close is death to you? Saul could have been killed in the cave of Jail. He could have died in that cave. David could have took and slew him. But he chose not to because he was one time an anointed man of God. He would not touch him because he was one time called by the hand of God to carry the gospel. Folks, I'm telling you, there's a lot of folks that I don't fellowship with. And it ain't because I wouldn't. It's because I'm scared to. But at the same time, I will not touch them. Because that anointing one time was upon them. And if that anointing was one time upon them, God may decide to give it back to them. And if He does, honey, who am I to reject them and turn them aside and throw them away? Just because everybody don't live exactly the way you think they ought to or do exactly the way you think they ought to, honey. We need to lift them up with holy hands, without wrath or doubting, crying and praying and asking God to move for them. We need to move with the Holy Ghost like we ain't never had before. I'm asking you this evening how close his death to you. Saul could have died in the cave of injured jail, but he didn't. You remember the three Hebrew children thrown into the fiery furnace. We've all heard these stories over and over. I can't preach to you nothing new. But in being thrown in the fiery furnace, they wasn't delivered from it, they were delivered into it. 
I'm asking you this evening, those three boys thrown into that fiery furnace, they was locked up down in there, tied up, but when they got to the bottom of it, those chains fell off and they was loose. And the Bible says, who is that? That fourth man that looks like the Son of Man down in the bottom of that furnace. Honey, it may look like you're going through the fire. It may look like you went your last mile. It may look like it's time to give up and quit. But I got news for you. You need to pick up the pieces and begin to move forward because God, God is waiting on you to cry out to Him. When you cry out to Him, He will deliver you out of your problems. How close is death to you? How close? We sometimes wonder the three Hebrew children could have died in the fiery furnace. Daniel could have died in the lion's den. There were several others. Paul and Silas was beaten and thrown into the inner prison. They could have died inside that prison. But God chose to give them a new beginning. God took the jailhouse and began to shake it at the midnight hour. The doors being opened. Honey, as those doors was opened, they could have escaped. But instead of going out, they went in. They went to the inner part of the prison. They went to get that God had for them. I'm asking you, why are you here this evening? God's looking for somebody that he can give his blessings to. He's looking for somebody he can pull out of the pits of hell and give them a brand new walk and a brand new newness of life. It's left up to us whether or not we desire to have more of Jesus. This is your call. You see, time and chance happen to us all. This is your time. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. Excuse me. I remember how close are you to death? And I've made mention of this before. Brother Porterfield and them when they was in the old church down down in the boonies, wherever he is down yonder. They can remember when my home burned. A man drove by. We was in the bed, me and Rhonda and the two boys. I don't think Daniel Daniel was three boys rather. He said, Yeah, I'm still living. But we was there in the house. House was on fire. We had laid down. I had laid down about 12 o'clock. Something like that, 12, 15. And I remember laying my Bible on my chair, my arm there, on the arm of the chair there in my living room. I'd throwed some more wood into wood heater. We had an old Ashley King heater sitting in the front of the house. That thing was burning. I went on to bed. A few minutes, a man, I'd say a few minutes, about an hour and 15 minutes passed. Around 1.30, this man knocks on our back door, hollering, get up, get up, your house is on fire, get up. How close are you to death? You think you've got it made. I had two smoke alarm systems in our home. We had a fire alarm system hooked to the electrical in the house. None of them went off. None of them sounded. You want to know how close we were to death? It was only a few minutes away because after he woke us up, got us out of our house, the group began to cave in upon the rest of the house. Honey, I'm telling you, you are just as close today as death as we was that night. You're not a promise of making it home this evening. You don't have a promise of even walking out of this building this afternoon. You may think you're going to do something tomorrow or next week, but you do not have that promise. 
I have stood in the church house and preached and people die sitting on the church pew. You say, well, I got it made. You better have. You better have made your election and calling it sure because God is coming. And how close are you to death? Today is the day of salvation. Not too many years ago, y'all will remember Brother Philip Huffman. Brother Philip came by my office when we was in Corinth, Mississippi. I was working for City Financial at the time as assistant manager. I was sitting in there and Philip come running in one day and said, William. I said, yeah. He said, I got it. I got it. I got it. I said, Philip, what you got? He said, I got my promotion. He said, I'm going to take the store down in Amory, Mississippi. He said, Heilig Myers has hired me to run that store. And he said, I'll be moving down there in a couple of weeks. That was on Friday. He said, come on, I want to take you to lunch. I said, Philip, I done been. But I said, I'll tell you what, I'll take a rain check. You come by Monday and I'll go with you. He said, okay, we can do that. On Sunday, he kissed Gina by right over here at Brother Flake's church. Kissed her by, got in the car and started to car in. Another young man coming out of Memphis, Tennessee, headed to Selmer, Tennessee. Caught the right side of the back fender of his car. Spun him around in front of Truzell, Phillips, and Bud. Taking all three of them out. How close are you to death? But you want to know something about Philip? He came out of my uncle's church in Memphis, Tennessee. I was there the night Philip got the Holy Ghost. I was there the night he prayed through. I was there the night, honey, he changed his life and started walking for Jesus. And I was there the night that him and Gina got married. I was there the night, or I was there the day, rather, that God called him home and I ID'd his body standing on the side of 72 Highway. Honey, I'm telling you, you may think you've got plans for tomorrow. You may not even see tomorrow, but you had better make sure that today, 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 today is the day of salvation. Honey, don't wait too late to pray. How close are you to death? How soon you think you'll be called away? There's people that I've known over the years and you've known over the years that at one time walked with God and today you can't find them with the FBI in the church house. They one time knew Jesus, but now they no longer want any part of Jesus. It bothers me. It bothers me when people don't want Jesus. I'm asking you this evening, how much of Jesus do you want? How much of Jesus do you want? I was, Sister Carol sitting up here, she and I went to school together. I was 15 years old when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. 15 years old. I remember walking down the hallways of the school at Walden and not long after I'd received the Holy Ghost, we had some guys in there that if I called their names, most of you in here would know them. But they'd come by me and knock my books out and say, Okay, Christian, pick them up. Pick them up. I'd pick them up and walk on. I wanted to knock their teeth out, but I wouldn't. Because I just got Jesus. And I didn't want Jesus to be interfered with in me making heaven my home. But I remember one day one of them walked by and knocked my books into the floor. When he knocked my books into the floor, 
friend of mine, some of y'all might remember him, Bobby Ray Hitchington, said, hold it, William. And I whirled around. He said, I got this. Honey, he walked over there and Bobby Ray, most of you knew Bobby Ray, he pretty stout little fella. He grabbed that 350 plus male man and just slammed him against the wall. Cleared his feet off the floor. And said, now either you're going to pick them books up or you're going to pick your teeth up. Which do you want? He said, I'll pick the books up. He said, I thought so. He said, you ever do that again? And he said, I'll be back. He picked my books up and handed them to me. I didn't have that problem no more. You think it's a big man or a big woman to live for the world? It takes a lot bigger man or a boy or a girl, woman, man, whoever you are. It takes a much bigger person to live for God than it does to live for the world. Anybody can live for the world, but not everybody will live for God. And you better make up your mind which way it's going to be. Because, honey, time is of the essence and time is running out. And I want to make sure that heaven's going to be my home. What about you? I'm talking about how close are you to death? I'm not through. I'm fixed to quit though. Some of you. I want to read a little story to you. I read a number of years ago. Well, I say a number. It ain't been that many. Ten at the most. January the 9th, 2007. 10.43 a.m. Oklahoma City. A condemned killer from Tulsa is hours from being executed. Corey Hamilton is to be put to death at 6 p.m. today for the execution-style killing of four people during a robbery of a fast food restaurant in 1992. January the 9th, Corey Hamilton was put to death. Corey was 24 years old when he committed his crimes. He was 38 years old when he died. 14 years he spent in prison. You just think about it. He was convicted of killing a 17-year-old, a 19, a 27, and a 24-year-old on August the 17th, 1992. On that day, he nodded to several members present and said, I wish everyone could experience the love of God to the degree that I have experienced Him in the last few months. I love everybody and have hope to see you on the other side. Corey repented of his sins only three months before he was put to death. You say, well, how can that be? Because a minister walked into that prison, sat down with him and began to read the Word of God. And God forgave him. He repented of his sins and was baptized in the precious name of Jesus in a horse trough in the middle of that prison in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I'm asking you this afternoon, if God should come knocking on your door, would you be ready to meet Him? You say, I've got plenty of time. Honey, you better look in the cemetery. There are some at all ages. I'm talking about from newborn all the way up to in the 90 years old range. Honey, you can find people's headstones of all ages, all sizes, all kind. You're not exempt and you'll never be exempt from death because it is a Appointment. Everyone in this building 
we'll have to meet someday and where you meet it and when you meet it will be left up to you I'm asking you this evening do you really know Jesus or are you just walking are you just playing the game are you just going along with the crowd are you really got to walk with him that God will deal with you and nurture you and help you because you see for there my father-in-law you say it like this for there to be a fake anything there first has to be a genuine for there to be a fake child of God there has to be a real child of God the Bible says there would be wheats and tares they'll grow together but God said He would be the separator. Don't go to hell because that one sitting behind you, beside you, or in front of you is going that way. Don't do something because somebody else is doing something that they shouldn't have done. I've sat in the prison cells talking to prisoners. They would tell me, Brother Kirkman... I was at the wrong place at the wrong time, but I had nothing to do with it. But I'm still sitting right here in jail because I did not belong there. But he said, I chose to go there anyway. How many of you sitting in here, how many times has God given you an opportunity over and over and over again? God has given you a chance to come to repentance, but you've chose not to do so. I'm here this evening to tell somebody, honey, this could be your last chance to find Jesus. This could be your last chance to pray. You could be like Corey Hamilton. You say, i got plenty of time. Oh, no, no, things will be different with me. You want to know about Corey Hamilton? His mama had raised him in the house of God. His mama had carried him to the church house up until he became old enough to decide on his own. And then he decided not to go to the house of God. But he said, I chose not to walk with God. And he said, now I'm on death row and I'm going to die because I did not stay in the house of God. How many people have said under the sound of a preacher's voice? How many have said under the anointed singing of songs being sang? Wanting to run to an altar of prayer and neglecting to do so. Wanting to kneel and pray, but because somebody would not let you out in the aisle or because somebody sitting beside you, you may have thought they was better or that you was going to follow them. And how many times have they led you in the wrong direction? I'm here to tell you this evening, you better wake up and make your own mind up because you will be the only one standing in judgment on that day for you. I preached a message a number of years ago. Death came too late. A lot of you sitting under the sound of my voice this evening, you should have died several years ago. When God called you the first time, you should have died the first time you knelt in an altar of prayer. Because really you've lived too long. Because now the preacher don't hurt you no more. The singing don't bother you no more. The anointing's not there anymore. I don't feel the presence of God as I one time did anymore. What's happened? You've become, I guess you'd say, stalemate. Stalemate. 
You've heard too many messages. You've sat on the church pew too long. I held the hand of a man a number of years ago. Drawing his last breath, his wife called me and said, William, would you come to the hospital? I said, sure. said, Buster wants to see you. I got to the hospital. Walked into that room. That son and that mother left out of that room. I held the pan while he was coughing up his liver. Had cancer and was spitting it up through his mouth. As I held that pan and him spitting that black junk into that pan, he looked at me and said, William, I've spent 50 years sitting on a church pew. Heard message after message and could have repented. But he said, now I can't feel God. I said, Buster, I'm going to pray. He said, pray, preacher, pray. Because where I'm headed, he said, there's no hope. There's no hope. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I raised up off of that floor holding to his hand. He looked at me and he drawed his last breath. Said, I cannot feel God. Drawing his last breath. I cannot feel God. I'm asking you this evening. Do you feel him? Does all you feel is the air conditioner? Is all you feel is the heater? What do you really feel this evening? This is your chance. Because Buster drawed his last breath. I walked out into that hallway of that hospital. His son standing on the far wall of that hospital looked at me straight in the eyes and said, William, tell me Daddy was okay. I said, I can't do it. I said, he's in the hands of a just God. He fell to his knees in that hallway and screamed to the top of his lungs, Oh God, save my daddy. But honey, time had already run out. It was over. There was no salvation for him. Death had come. It's an appointment that we've all got to meet. I'm asking you this evening, are you ready to meet it? Are you just going to let it pass you right on by and take your chances? Because I promise you, you'll wish you hadn't. As the musicians come, singers come, I'm asking you this evening, do you really know Jesus? Do you know Him? I'm not talking about just coming up and praying and talking to Him just for a moment of time. I'm talking about do you really know Him? When you can lay your head down at night and say, I don't care if I wake up or not. I'm going to see Jesus if I don't. And if I do, I'll be okay. How's it going to be with you? I'm asking you this evening these altars are open and we're waiting on you I'm asking you do you really know Jesus or are you just playing with him because God may not give you a second chance you're promised one but you're not promised a second one I'm asking you what you're going to do with it we're waiting on you If you don't know Jesus, come with these and do. They'll pray with you. They'll talk with you. They'll deal with you. I'm asking you right now, right now, today, is the day of salvation.
Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Your chance. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself?